Haleluya, praise the Lord Happy Sunday and Shalom Church Haleluya Would you mind standing up together with us And we greet you Merry Christmas And we hope and we pray from here That may the joy and peace of the Lord be with you Until the end of the year And in welcoming the new year 2021 Haleluya Would you mind telling your neighbors around you Merry Christmas And I hope you enjoy your Christmas Haleluya
you have come to us, God. And these days that we celebrate the salvation that come to us. Let's sing this together, church. What hope we hold this starlit night? A king is born in Bethlehem. Our journey long, we see the light that leads to the hallowed major ground. What fear we felt in the silent age for hundred years can he be found? But broken by a baby's cry, rejoice in the hallowed major ground. Come on, sing his name.
more time, come on, calling up. Open your hands.
we are going to enter the new year before us. We thank you, Jesus. Blessed be the name of Jesus. And let all the glory, power, authority, thanksgiving, and all the love that you deserve be unto you, God. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. In Jesus' mighty name, let us all together who rejoice in the Lord, we say, Amen. Hallelujah. Would you mind giving him the biggest hands? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord, church. We hope you enjoyed the praise and worship sessions. And now it's time to us to listen for the sermons. And the sermons will be given by Reverend David Lai from the Rivers of Water Church in Penang, Malaysia. And we hope you enjoy your sermon and happy listening. God bless you. Shalom. Good morning. Welcome to GBI Medan English Service. Wow, we are finally at the last Sunday of 2020. And I would like to take this opportunity to wish all of you a very blessed Christmas, which we celebrated just a couple of days ago, and a very prosperous New Year 2021, which is a few days from now. And I also would like to take this opportunity to say thank you to the leadership of GBI Medan for the privilege to minister the Word of God to you this morning. Now, the title of the message this morning is The Saving Righteousness of God or Righteousness That Saves. This morning, it's going to be more of a teaching rather than preaching. So let's open our Bible to the book of Romans chapter 10, verse 9. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 says this, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Amen. The entire crux or the most important of the gospel message is right here in this verse. This is the entire matter of life and death. And I thank God that most of us right here now, or those who are listening, have already made Jesus the Lord and Savior in your life and has made Him to be the God in your life. And thank God that because that you have made that decision, you are already saved. And because that you are saved, God also give us the righteousness, which is a free gift. Nobody can earn it. Nobody can work for it. And, no, and we cannot pay for it. It comes from God. See, righteousness is a gift that comes from the Lord for those who accept Jesus and what He has done for them by faith. Now, Romans chapter 5, verse 17 to verse 18 for if by one man's offense death reigned through one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in one, it will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Verse 18, therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation, even so, one man's righteousness act, the free gift, see, the free gift, so that means that you cannot earn it, you cannot work for it, you cannot pay for it. It is free. Came to all men, resulting in justifications of life. For as by one man's disobedience, many will make sinners. See, we and I are made sinners by Adam. But when we are born in this world, we are already sinners. And because that we are already sinners, we need a saviour. And also, let's continue to read in verse 19, second part of it. And also, by one man's obedience, many will make righteous. So Jesus 
you know, because of his obedience, that he can make us righteous. Can somebody say amen? His obedience is that, you know, that he who knew no sin to be sin for us, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Now this morning we are in the presence of God, not because of our own righteousness. See, the book of Isaiah chapter 64, verse 6 tells us that, but we are all like unclean things. See, all of us are unclean before God. You know, the Amplified Bible says we are like lepers. You see, a lepers, you know, is the one that is the unclean person. You know, it symbolizes a sinner. And all of our righteousness are like filthy rags. That word, that filthy rags, is like a menstrual cloth. You use it once, you throw it away. Nobody keeps it. So that kind, you know, we do not have righteousness at all. Can somebody say amen? Now in the book of Jonah, chapter 2, verse 9 and verse 10. Now this is the time when Jonah was in the fish belly for three days and three nights. Now there's nothing Jonah can do to save himself. You know, God didn't pay attention to him until he made the declaration by saying salvation is of the Lord. That means that Jonah put his trust in the Lord to save him. When he put his trust in the Lord to save him, what happened? In verse 10, it's very interesting. So the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry ground. And so salvation is of the Lord. Not, nothing that we can do, whether good deeds, human achievement or merits can produce salvation or righteousness for ourselves. We can only receive salvations and righteousness from God through our Lord Jesus Christ. In the last few days of 2020, let's be thankful to God in spite of what is happening around us. For me, and I hope for you too, there are many things that we can be thankful for, but the greatest of all is our salvation and the righteousness of God that you and I have already received. Now coming back to Romans chapter 10, verse 9, and verse 9, now, in order to understand Romans chapter 10, verse 9, we must understand Romans chapter 9. The church in Rome consists mainly of Gentiles and Jewish believers. And chapter 9 to chapter 11 are addressed mainly to the Jews. In chapter 9, it is about their past. Chapter 10, it is about their presence. And chapter 11, it is about their future and the hope of Israel. In chapter 9, it is related to their past. The Jewish believers are rich in their long traditions through the Torah or the law of God that was given to Moses. They, are, they have the law of God for thousands of years. They come to God with the ritual, ceremonial laws, and the work of the law thinking and believing, by doing them, they will be made righteous. Some still believe till today that they are righteous or by doing the works of the law. Now, what did Paul say is about the works of the law? Now, let's go to Romans chapter 3, verse 20. Therefore, by deeds, that means that all works of the law, no flesh will be justified. Justified means to be free from guilt and declare righteous. Or in, or in his sight, 
For by the law is the knowledge of sin. And so that's the purpose of the law was to given to them that you know, it revealed their sin. And I like the living Bible translation, put it in just a simple way. Now, do you see it? No one can ever be made right in God's sight. That means that you and I can never be made in God's sight by doing what the law commands. For more, for the more we know of God's law, the clearer it becomes that we aren't obeying them. His law serves only to make us see that we are sinners. That's the purpose of the law, to reveal that we are sinners. And because that we are sinners, we cannot save ourselves. And so we need a Savior to save us. Thank God that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. In the book of 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, this is the faithful saying, and worthy of all acceptance that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. We have just celebrated Christmas, the whole purpose. The purpose that He came is to save you and I. Thank God that He loves you so much that He was willing to die for you and I in order to save us. Hallelujah. Now in the book of Galatians chapter 2, verse 16, Paul said this, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Christ Jesus that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. It's so clear that, you know, that we have to come to Jesus by faith and believing that what he has done for us so that we can inherit the righteousness of God. Now, there are two types of righteousness in the Bible. In the book of Philippians chapter 3, verse 9, let's read, And be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. And so, two-type righteousness is the Bible tells us that our own righteousness or righteousness by the law. Secondly, it's righteousness by faith. That means that we put our trust, we put our faith in Jesus that has saved us. Amen. Now let's go to Romans chapter 9, verse 30 to verse 31. It speaks about the Jews, why they couldn't get saved. When what in verse 30, what shall we say then that Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained to righteousness, even the righteousness of faith? See, here you are, the righteousness of faith is to put their faith in Jesus Christ that they, that Jesus has saved them. But Israel pursuing the law of righteousness has not attained to the law of righteousness. Why? Now, why did Israel have not attained to the law of righteousness? The reason because, you know, that they are pursuing God by the works of the law. Because they did not seek it by faith, as it were, but by the works of the law. For they stumble at the stumbling stone. As it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and a rock of offense. And whoever believes on him, he will not be put to shame. Now, who is the stumbling stone and the rock of offense? see, for the Israelites, Jesus is a stumbling stone. And 
it is offended to them because they believe that through the law, the works of the law, that they will be saved or they will be made righteous. And so for them, you know, to believe in Jesus is difficult. And so they need to be saved from their unbelief that Jesus is God, that Jesus is the Savior, that Jesus is the Messiah for them as well as for us. Then only they can make the confessions, you know, believe in your heart, God has raised Jesus from the dead, and confess with the mouth that Jesus is Lord. Then they will be saved. Now in the book of Romans chapter 10 verse 4, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. So that tells us that the end result of the law is Christ. So the end result of the Lord, if they don't meet Jesus Christ, they will not get their salvation. And it is only through Jesus Christ that you and I, or the Jews, can only be saved. There is no other way because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Amen. Now in the book of Romans chapter 10, it speaks about their presence. Well, what they need to do? Just the same like you and I. We need to confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead that we will be saved. Amen. Two things involved to receive the righteousness of God. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and verse 10 we want to read it again. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your hearts that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth one confess is made unto salvation. And so here we see that both verses, it is believing and confessing. It is the same thing that when you believe, and when you confess that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. I like the Bahasa Indonesian Bible. You know that the Bible tells us that Sebab jika kamu mengaku dengan mulutmu bahwa Yesus adalah Tuhan. That is so accurate and that is so good. You know, to the point that Jesus is God. And believe in your heart or dan percaya dalam hatimu bahawa Allah telah membangkitkan dia dari antara orang mati, maka kamu akan diselamat. Number two is to believe in your heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead. Now why is it so important to confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord? The Lord means one possessing authority, power, control, Master, owner, majesty as God. We will say it in today's term. He is the boss. Is Jesus the boss in your life? Is Jesus the one that has authority and power in your life? Is Jesus is the one that is the master in your life or the owner in your life? I hope that you have made him the owner in your life or you have made him the boss in your life. The Word of God describes Jesus as the head of the church. He is the ruler of all creation, the Lord of the Sabbath. He is the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. Amen. For Jesus to be the Lord in your life means that you are recognizing His power, authority, majesty as God in your life. He cannot be a Lord of a part. 
That means that he cannot just be a part-time God in our life. He must be God or he's not God at all in our life. Amen. He must be given control to our entire life, to our whole life. We must surrender our life to him totally. You know, just like how Jesus spoke to the disciples, if they want to follow him. In the book of Luke chapter 9, verse 23, then he said to them, or if anyone desire to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Now, this particular verse, Jesus is using the analogy of people that are being crucified by the Romans during their time. When the Romans wanted to crucify a criminal, firstly, that the Romans will make the man carried the top portion of the cross to the destination where they already prepared the platform in order to hold up the cross that is already prepared for, at the destination. So the route that was already prepared and the criminal, you know, is denied of choosing any of his path. That means that he have to follow what the soldiers or what the Romans authority have already planned out the route until to the place of until the place of the destinations. So the criminal is committed to carry the cross to the designated platform where he will be crucified or where he will die. Likewise, in the same manner, you know that Jesus is using this analogy that if we want to follow Jesus, we must be committed totally, 100% to him. Let's open our Bible to the book of Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ that lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. See, when we surrender our life to God, now God lives in us. The God that knows our future, the God that knows our destiny, the God that have a plan for our life, and the plan is to bless us and to bring us from faith to faith, from victory to victory, from glory to glory. Amen. He is in our life right now. Hallelujah. The angel also knew that Jesus is Lord even before he came to earth. When Jesus was born, an angel proclaimed and declared that Jesus is Lord to the shepherds. Luke chapter 2 verse 11, For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Saviour, who is Christ the Lord. And so even when Jesus was in heaven, you know that the angels bow down and worship him as the Lord and God. Amen. Peter's first sermon on the day of Pentecost, Peter proclaimed that Jesus is Lord. Acts chapter 2 verse 36, Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When Peter was at Cornelius' house, at the book of Acts chapter 10, verse 36, the word which God sent to the children of Israel preaching peace through Jesus Christ, He is Lord of all. Now the question is, is He the Lord of all in your life? Is He the Lord of all, you know, in your family, in your business, in your career, in everything that you do? Hallelujah! And I hope that we all will make him the Lord in every part of our life. Amen. When Thomas saw Jesus after the resurrection, Thomas made these declarations or confession in the book of John, chapter 20, verse 28. My Lord and my God. Amen. 
That means that Jesus is not indicate that he is also God. Can somebody say Amen? Amen. Now, firstly, that we say that it is to confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. Secondly, it is to believe in our hearts that God has raised him or God has raised Jesus from the dead. We know that Jesus was raised by God on the third day. Why is it so important to believe that? Because it is the sign of Jesus' Messiahship. In the book of Matthew chapter 11, verse 2 to verse 6, And when John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said to him, Are you the coming one? That means that already John proclaimed that Jesus is the Messiah. Or do we look for another? Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John the things which you hear and see. The blind see and the lame walk and the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Do you think anyone will be offended when miracles, healing, restoration took place, and many lives were blessed by the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, you won't be surprised that there are people who will be offended you know, by what Jesus has done. For example, let's look for another incident of the person that were offended or some people were offended because of the healing that took place because of the demons that leave the person in the book of Matthew chapter 12 verse 22 then one was brought to him who was demon possessed blind and mute and he healed him so that the blind and mute men both spoke and saw and all the multitude were amazed and said could this be the son of david see the son of david is a title for the messiah could this be the messiah verse 24 now when the pharisees heard it and because they were offended they said this fellow does not cast out demons except by belzebub the ruler of the demons but later they came to jesus to ask Jesus to give them a sign because they want to know whether it is from God. Let's pick it up in the book of Matthew chapter 12 verse 38. Then some of the scribes and the Pharisees answered saying, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. So they asked Jesus for a sign. And so Jesus replied in verse 39, And he answered and said to them, An evil and adulterous generation seek after a sign, and no sign will be given to it except that the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was in three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will, son will, be, the son, will be the son of man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And so Jesus told them, If you want this sign, then I'm giving, going to give you to you the sign, you know, that I'll be buried for three days, three nights, and I will be raised again. The resurrection is a sign that Jesus is the Messiah. Now let's go to the book of John, chapter 3, verse 1 and verse 2, when Deacon Nemus came to Jesus. Verse 2. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do this sign that you do unless God is with you. Amen. See, Nicodemus probably have followed and have seen those signs that Jesus have done. 
That means that you have seen Jesus have healed the sick, cast out demons, raised the dead. And probably he was also there in the temple when Jesus chased the money changer out of the temple. Now let's go to the book of John chapter 2 verse 13 to verse 22. Now the Passover of the Jews was at hand and Jesus went up to Jerusalem and he found in the temple those who sold oxen and sheep and doves and the money changer doing business. When he had made a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changer's money and overturned the table and he said to those who sold doves, Take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of merchandise. Then his disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house has eaten me up. So the Jews answered and said to him, What sign do you show us since you do these things? So Jesus answered and said to them, Destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. Then the Jews said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple and you raise it up in three days. But he was speaking of the temple of his body. Therefore, when he had risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this to them and they believed the scriptures and the words which Jesus had said. Now, who has the audacity to come into the temple you know, and chase the money changer out of the temple chase those who are doing business you know, in the temple. And ordinary people, they're not even chase all these people out. Even the Pharisees, even the high priests wouldn't do that. What authority that Jesus have that he's able to chase the money changer out you know, of the temple? That is to prove that he is the Messiah. So when Jesus said to them, when they asked Jesus for a sign, he said, watch, you know, that I will be buried for three days and three nights, and I will be risen again. Hallelujah. Thank God that today, you know, that He is the risen Savior. Amen? Doubting Thomas to believing Thomas. After the resurrection, Jesus appeared to the disciples except Thomas. So when Jesus appeared to Thomas, you know, Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord, and my God. Hallelujah. And so that proved that, you know, the resurrection, that proved that when God raised Jesus from the dead, it proved that He is God. In the book of Romans, chapter 1, verse 2 to verse 4, which He promised before through His prophet in the Holy Scripture concerning His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was born of the seed of David, was a seed of David according to the flesh and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit in holiness by the resurrection from the dead. You know, if Jesus did not rise from the dead, you know, there is no proof that He is God. But thank God that He rose from the dead. That proved that Jesus is God. Amen. That's why this morning we come to church or we come into His presence to worship Jesus, to worship Jesus as our God. Can somebody say Amen? Amen. You know, if Jesus did not rise from the dead, 
you know, that you and I, our faith will be in vain and we will still be in sin. But because that he have risen from the dead, you know, that we do not have to be in sin, but now we have the righteousness of God. Amen. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, For he make him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Thank God that today that we become the righteousness of God in him because we put our faith in Jesus. Because we put our faith you know, in the risen Lord. Hallelujah. And let's go back to Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and verse 10, and then we will close. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And I pray and I hope that you have already made this decision, you know, that to make him the God in our life. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this wonderful morning that we can come into your presence. Lord, we thank you that you make it so simple. All we have to do is just to believe that you have died for us, to believe that you have been buried and rose again, and to confess this morning that you are our God. And Father, we thank you for this wonderful gifts of righteousness that you have given to us when we believe you. And so we give you all the praise and all the glory in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, God bless you and have a great week ahead. Amen.